turn, if you will, to Second. Amen. Thank you very much. Open your Bibles again, if you will, to Second Corinthians chapter five. Now, I'm going to preach tonight a very serious sermon, and I am going to work and I'm going to press. I'm going to work. I'm going to press for everyone's attention, and uh, from the front, uh, front uh, to the back, uh, side to side, and especially on the platform. And uh, but anyway, I want you to listen tonight, and I. I want to preach tonight on the subject, standing with our fathers, standing with our fathers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that I can convey the truth that without a doubt uh, this week uh, you put on my heart uh, as we begin this new year. And I pray that you would help us to now uh, give our attention completely now, Lord, that there be no distractions or talking or uh, things going on other than just hearing the message for the hour now. I ask you to fill me with your spirit, to give me a strong voice uh, to complete the message tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The judgment seat of Christ has been one of the foundational motivations of my life and serving the Lord. It's a very sobering thought to think that you and I will stand before God and we will give an account for the good and the bad that we have done. Now this is not a judgment for salvation. Thank God that was decided the day I trusted Christ as Savior, my sins are forgiven. But this is report card day and I'll say more about it as I go through the message, but one of the great motivations of my life in serving the Lord is to know that one day I will, you will, all of God's children will give an account to the Lord for how we serve God with our lives. Notice verse number 10, the Bible says, for we must, we must, we must all we must all appear so we will all be seen and we will see the Lord. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. We must all appear. This is a judgment this is an awards ceremony for all Christians. This comes at the end after, of course, the rapture of the church, the millennial reign as we enter into heaven, as we face the judgment seat of Christ. We've all gathered in heaven. This is where the good and bad is judged and rewarded. It is interesting to me that Paul uses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the words that he does. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, I do not know how exactly this will all take place, but I imagine that every servant of God of every generation 
will be together at the judgment seat. Let's give thought to that tonight. Think with me, if you will, that list of great servants of faith that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. They have already been judged worthy and to receive award, but that would be a representation of those of that time period as we go from that Old Testament and New Testament era of those who serve God by faith, they will be there. Those who have served faithfully from that time of John's writings and after the closing of the writing of the Word of God through the period of the Roman Empire. I can't name every time period, but think of those that served and served faithfully and the multitude that were martyred for the cause of Christ under the Roman Empire. Think of those that served in the days of the Apostle Paul. Think with me, if you will, as your mind, if you can picture the map and you see Jerusalem and you go up the coastline to Antioch, you see the little island of Cyprus and you go up above that and you see what we refer to as Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, but Asia Minor as Paul planted those churches in Asia Minor. And as Paul in Acts chapter 16 said, I'll go back through Asia Minor, but the Holy Spirit forbade him to do that. And it was after that in Acts chapter 16 where he heard that Macedonian call and the gospel began to go west. Think of that period of time. Think of the pastors. Think of the servants. Think of the church members of that era that will be gathered together and that time of the judgment seat of Christ. Think of Western civilization. Think of the gospel as it came to Europe. Think of those who were martyred for the word of God. Oh, this book that we hold in our hand, it is uh, the sacred scripture. It is the word of God. Oh, what a price that has been paid just for the work of preservation and translation into English that you and I could have a copy of the word of God. I think of the martyrs. I think of those that died in that era of time. I think of those that sought to come to America, not just for freedom to start a business and make money. No, my friend, they came for religious freedom. They came for liberty to worship God. Oh, they were blessed, and they were blessed in their deed and blessed in every way. And I think of that colonial period and those that were faithful uh, to win souls to Christ. I think of that time when uh, colleges like Dartmouth and others uh, were started that had an emphasis, emphasis on getting the gospel to the Native American of that day. I think of the founding of those uh, uh, universities as we talked about Princeton this morning and others and uh, we think of uh, uh, Harvard and others. Hey folks uh, they were founded, many of them to train preachers uh, to preach this King James Bible that I hold in my hand. Think of that crowd that will be at the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded to receive of the things that have been done good and bad in their life. 
I think of those in that uh, period of time. I think of preachers. I think of the few books and writings that I have that came out of the 1700s and the seriousness of the writers of the men of God. I think of those that wrote in the 1800s and I read of those preachers. I read of those circuit riding men who rode on horseback in circuits to preach the gospel and to win people to Christ. I think of, listen to me now, I'll make you listen now. I'm not going to let you talk. I'm not going to let you talk. I'm going to make you listen to me tonight. And I think of those uh, uh, such as Shubal Stearns that went across the south and planting churches. And America has what's called the Bible Belt because of those that paid a price to plant Baptist churches to teach and preach the Word of God. I think of the great evangelist and those that blazed a trail across America. I think of those in the early 1900s and then those that I had the privilege to know that were born in that period of 1930, 40, and 50 that lived into my life that I heard preach. Hey, they too will be there at the judgment seat of Christ. I think of those that I have preached their funeral. I think of those not just preachers, but I think of those servants of God. One day, all of us will gather before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at me. I think of my father who will stand there at the judgment seat of Christ. I remember those days as uh, he was a young man just in his 30s. I had been diagnosed with cancer and I remember the doctor telling him that his immune system was low because of the chemotherapy treatments and he should not be around people. But he said, if I am going to live but a few days, a few months, I want to live it uh, preaching the gospel. And I watched as he stood and preached and uh, the day came that he could not stand up to preach and he stood on a chair he sat on a chair and he preached. His sermons were shorter. Oh, but how powerful they were. The radiation treatments that he took in conjunction with the chemotherapy treatments and the lymph nodes that were in his neck. I saw his neck so swollen he couldn't put his head down. And I saw as they used the radiation in his mouth blistered and he could hardly talk. I saw my dad take Oragel, toothache medicine, and put it in his mouth to numb his mouth so he could stand for a few minutes and preach the word of God. They'll be standing there at the judgment seat of Christ. I'll stand with them. You will stand with them. I do not want to be ashamed before God, and I do not want to be ashamed before those who have stood and those who have served before me. I want you to take your Bibles and go to that little book of 1 John chapter 2. The wording here is interesting. And I, I don't understand, I don't know all that we will know and understand. I can only take it at face value of what I see as I look at that little book of 1 John. Notice chapter 2 and verse number 28. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28. And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence 
not be ashamed before him at his coming. This is not speaking of the judgment seat here. This is just talking about meeting Christ. And he said, we ought to look forward to the coming of Christ. And he's saying here that we should so serve him and so walk with him that we would not be ashamed. We would have confidence. We would look forward to his return. I was talking to a person this week directly connected to the war in Israel. And I've had several conversations with those who know soldiers, the names personally, the parents, some of the generals, some of the leaders in the IDF. And they told me the story of two brothers IDF soldiers that have been killed in this war since October 7. Those two brothers had two younger brothers. And when the two older brothers were killed, the two younger brothers requested as a soldier to take their place and position as they served in a dangerous role. However, the rules of the IDF did not allow the two younger brothers to take their place without the written consent of their mother. Father is deceased. And the two younger boys said, Mom, will you please? I'm talking about two young men, 18, 19, 20 years old. They said, Mom, will you sign that we can take the place of our brother for the honor of our country. And mom took her pencil, her pen, and she signed permission for two of her younger sons to take the place of her two older sons. And they were so honored as they were sworn in to that position to get to take the place of their brothers that had given their lives for their country. I recall a time in America and a time in church when church was not an entertainment place but it was a place that was training servants and soldiers for Christ that it was an honor to serve God with our lives. And I thought of those two young men. I did not want to be ashamed in following a great company of soldiers and warriors that have served God before me. I begin to think about preachers I've known and I could talk about well-known preachers. But I've thought about servants of God this week. I, I, I've thought about Brother Carl Hatmaker over at Faith Baptist Church in Richmond. What a great soul winner, what a great servant of God. A World War II veteran. Six feet, six inches tall. The only church I ever preached in that had two pulpits. It had a big pulpit that I could hide behind, head and all. And it had a little pulpit for people like me and Brother Davis who followed Brother Hatmaker as a pastor of, First, uh, of Faith Baptist Church in Richmond. Brother Hatmaker, as he got older, he said to me, he said, Preacher, I'm not able to pastor anymore. I, I, my mind is not good. My health is not good. I don't want to quit, but would you help me find a young preacher 
to help me in this church. Brother John Doss, our good friend, is a pastor over there and doing just a tremendous work in that church and built a new building and God's been good to that church. But I remember Brother Davis calling me one Sunday and he told me the story. He said I was the pastor and I was preaching and I heard somebody downstairs yelling and I didn't know what was going on. And I asked my wife, who was that yelling during church while I was preaching upstairs? Who was downstairs? And she said that was Brother Hatmaker preaching to the first and second grade children's church. He never quit. He served God to the end. When I see Brother Hatmaker, I don't want to be a quitter. Look at me. I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be an excuse maker. I want to be able to finish well so I can shake hands with that dear soldier confidently and stand beside him as I stand before my Lord. Now listen to me. Church is a place where we prepare soldiers of the cross. I thought of Brother David Tribble's father. Brother Tribble used to bring David to school. I was a young pastor in the early 90s. Joel was just a toddler boy. He'd watch for Brother Tribble's car to come in. Because he would go to the car and Brother Tribble would give you chewing gum. You remember that, don't you? Brother Tribble was a, one of the quietest men. His wife's here right now, a member of our church. Brother Tribble was a faithful servant of God in the bus ministry and served to the very last day he was able to serve. I could go through a long list of men. One day I'll stand before my God. I desire to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful soldier. I will also stand beside a company of soldiers that taught me, look at me, that invested in me, listened to me, that loved me and helped me. I don't want to stand beside them having been a complainer, having been a quitter, having turned back in the day of battle. I want to do God's will for my life to the very end. And I preach to you tonight, teenager, don't you turn back on God. Don't you turn back on those. Listen to me, college student. Look at me when I'm preaching to you. I'm telling you tonight, one day we'll stand before an almighty God and we don't want to be ashamed at his appearing and we don't want to be ashamed at our comrades in arms, but we want to be able to stand with confidence saying, I've given my best to serve the Lord. Now I'm going to give you some key statements from our passage of Scripture tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul teaches us that what we believe determines how we behave. Somehow we have managed to become people who want to study the Bible, but we do not want to connect belief to behavior. But the Bible never separates belief from behavior. God always connects doctrine to duty. You see, what God has done for us must motivate us to do something for God. Christianity knows no truth 
which is not the child of love and the parent of duty. I'll say that statement again. Christianity knows no truth, which is not the child of love and the parent of duty. A woman told her pastor one day, she said, that would have been a marvelous sermon except for all of those therefores at the end. What was she talking about? You see, friend, every truth of doctrine delivers a therefore of duty. I want to say it again. Every every truth of doctrine delivers a therefore of duty. The Bible is not just to be put in my mind. The Bible is to go in my mind and my heart and work its way out through my feet and my hands in service to God. You cannot, though we're trying so hard today and we're proud of being a part of a little Bible study group, if your Bible study group teaches your Bible without duty, you're not getting the message because Bible truth is connected to wherefores and therefores. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 9. Wherefore, we labor. Now, why did he say that? Because of the doctrine that he has given in the first eight verses. Because Christ loved us. Because Christ died for us. Because Christ saved us. Wherefore we now, verse number 9, have a responsibility to labor. I want you to notice verse number 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Do you see it? Every doctrine has a duty. Every truth has a therefore or a wherefore. We don't learn the Bible to get a diploma or a certificate. We learn the word of God that we can get busy and active in serving others and working to reach others for Christ. Look at verse number 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, they, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means to be born again. If a man is in Christ, if a man is saved, that results in a therefore. What is the therefore? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. The song is not just for bus kids, the words I used to say, I don't say them anymore. That's for adults too because I've become a new creature in Christ. The wherefores and the therefores of the Bible we need to pay attention to because God didn't call us just to be students. He called us to be students so that we can become servants. Paul wrote under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give number one instruction and move from instruction to explanation and move from explanation to application and it was his theme for motivation for the ministry. What was the ministry of the Christian? 2 Corinthians 5.11, 2 Corinthians 5.20 to persuade sinners to be reconciled to God. How many of you have a dad, a mom, an aunt, an uncle, 
somebody in your life that has served Christ before you? Raise your hand. Ministry, bus ministry, look at that. I'm going to stand beside him. I'd like to stand beside my father without being ashamed. I'd like to stand beside him. I, I, I would hate to stand beside him and say, boy, dad, I really wanted to serve God, but I felt bad a lot. I got tired a lot. Sometimes it just didn't feel like going. Boy, I, I, I'm going to stand beside him. I don't know about you, but that motivates me to serve God. Not only will I stand beside them, I'll stand before him. One day, standing before my God, standing side by side with those I have served with and those who will stand before me, I need to understand that my life is not my own. My life has been purchased. It is a lie of the devil propagated by this world today that your body is yours and you have your rights. Dear friend, my rights, my body belongs to God. I have the right to serve the one that has purchased me from the pits of hell, <coughs> from the slavery of sin, from the bondage of Satan. And he set me free not to do what I want to do, but he set me free to serve him. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, please. Romans chapter 12. Paul begging the church, I'm sorry, Paul begging the Christians who were in Rome. As he wrote this letter of Romans to them, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Some of you young people right now, you're making decisions by conformity of the world. Paul said, I beg you, don't make your decisions of life conforming to the behavior and the actions of the world. Make your decisions understanding it is your responsibility to present yourself holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, not the will of man. Notice verse number 9 again, please, in our text. Wherefore we labor. Wherefore we labor. The word labor here means to be ambitious. Some folks serve God, look at me, seeing how little they can do to get by. The word labor, when you study that word, Paul says, I was ambitious in my labor for Christ. Now, there is an ambition that is selfish and worldly, and there is also a holy ambition that honors God. We ought to be ambitious in our desire to serve Christ. We ought to figure out ways to win people to Christ. 
We ought to figure out ways to get people to church. We ought to figure out ways to encourage others to live right and to serve God. That's our responsibility. It is a lie of the devil to say, well, that's people's personal business. It's your responsibility to turn the light on. It's our responsibility to be the salt of the world. One day I'll stand beside those that have given an example to serve. I'll stand before my God. I want to stand with some confidence. I don't want to stand with shame. Verse number 10, we must all appear. Not every believer is ambitious for the Lord, but every believer is going to appear before the Lord. And now's the time to serve God. At the judgment seat of Christ, God's people will stand before the Savior as their works are judged and they are rewarded. Notice Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 and go to verse number 8. Romans 14 and verse number 8. Whether we live... We live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord. Some folks act like they've never heard that before. Some folks act like we can just make our decision, do whatever we want to do in life. Friend, I'm a servant of God. I'm a bond servant of Christ. I don't, I don't get him to bless what I want to do. I go to what he wants me to do that he's already blessed in my life. I want to do what God's called me to do. And whether we live or whether we die, the Bible says we are the Lord's. Look at verse number 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it naught, thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That term judgment seat comes from a word uh, that refers to a bema, B-E-M-A, which was a platform in a Greek town where two things took place. Speeches were made for folks to hear or decisions were handed down by rulers. It was also a place where awards were given to the winners in the Olympic Games. And Paul said, I want to stand at the Bema seat and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to say tonight, church is not a show. Church is not a social club. Church is not a sorority. Church is a place where we're supposed to be making disciples for Christ. I hear folks talk about, well, when we're going to, and, and, and don't misunderstand, I'm not against fellowships, I'm not against Bible studies, but you hear me well, if you study the Bible and you get very deep in that doctrine, you're going to find out that there is a duty, you're going to find out there's a wherefore, and there's a therefore, and you'll clean your life up, and you'll live in a holy manner, and you'll speak with holy lips, and you'll live to persuade men to serve God. Verse 11 through 13 closes this section of speaking to us, telling us our job is to persuade men. I recall the sermon that Dr. Rodriguez preached at our national church growth conference in September. It talked about serving God with a, not just enthusiasm, but he said with a craziness. How many of you remember that sermon? That was a tremendous sermon. Some just enjoyed the excitement of it rather than saying, that's what I'm supposed to do. Do you know men who have served God? You know, you know what they told Paul? They told Paul he was crazy. And he said, I am. I'm crazy for Jesus. 
You know what's interesting? Young men, every person in every generation that served God like Paul, they told him, you're crazy. That's what they told Moody. I'd rather have a preacher that was crazy like Moody that did a work for God than to have one that was sane and had every degree offered by the seminary but was so sorry he would be ashamed when he stood before God. And here's a message tonight and I close. One day all of us, all of us, everybody, won't be any absent. We'll stand before God. And we'll get our A's and we'll get our F's. We'll stand before God. But not only does that motivate me, I look at the great company of soldiers and servants that I'll be standing with. We have a generation today that's become weak and a great majority lazy. May, not, may that not be true in the local New Testament church. God doesn't have a welfare department. God doesn't. God rewards those that faithfully serve Him. So in our decisions this week, in our behavior, our study of the Bible, let's understand one day I'll stand before God. I want to live today so that I'll not be ashamed at His coming and I'll not be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight you would help us to think about the seriousness of serving you. I pray that you'd help us to be sober and help us to be guided not by commercials not by social media advertisements, but may we be guided by your word. Lord, may we not care what others would think or say, but may we say, I want to serve Christ to please him and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listener invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar